From Relay FM, this is the Pan Addict, episode 234. Yes, kids, that's 234 today. My, and this uh, show is brought to you by the Pen Chalet, Capto from Global Delight, and for Cardigan. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Brad Dowdy. How are you, Brad Dowdy? Good, sir. Are you surviving these uh, days and weeks that go by uh, getting ready for this house? So the desk is empty now. I have no pen. All my pens are packed away. I have one Retro 51 and one mm-hmm. notepad that I've got with me. Next week, I am moving. And unfortunately, I am moving on Wednesday. So I can't be on the show next week. But you've lined up mm. one heck of a guest for next week. But we'll talk about that later on. But we do yeah. have a guest today as well. We do have a guest today. Everyone say hello to Mr. Ink Dependence, Mike Madison. How are you, Mike? Hey, I'm doing really well, guys. I'm really good, Brad. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be an issue throughout the show. Um, with all the mics on their mics, we're going to... Uh, I think you've just got to go for surname style. You're just going to go yeah, surname style. Well, you'll hit, Mike will be Mike, and you will be Hurley. That's where I'm, I'm going to go with I can live with that. Yeah, so I, I can <laughs> right, deal with Coach that. Brad. <laughs> right <laughs> someone's got to lay down the law um i and uh mike i i'm really excited to have you on this episode because we're not just going to talk about blogging and pen stuff we're going to talk about some you know philosophy um some ethics because you are actually uh, a philosophy teacher is that correct yeah i've been an ethics instructor for mm-hmm. i don't know 10 or 12 years I don't know, something like that, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so we're going to talk about some of those, how that relates, you know, to the to the pen industry, to the pen blogging business, to the the videos and, and all that stuff that we do. So this is going to be an awesome conversation, plus you're like a, an ink professional. So we're going to have like two completely different conversations. I'm going to like pick your brain about ink, and then we're going to get into some, some other cool stuff. So um, if you allow me uh, a second, Mike, I have a bone to pick with Mr. Hurley. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, pick that bone. So, uh, Michael, um, I've listened to another show of yours called Cortex, and it has come to my attention that your new abode is being nicknamed the Cortex Cottage. That's correct, yes. I have a little bit of an issue with that, (laughs) Uh seeing as who has been with you longer, um, you know, throughout all your podcast adventures. It's definitely you, Brad. It's definitely you. And I didn't even warrant consideration for Panatic Panatic Palace. Okay. Um, anything like this. So I, I mean, what about the pen pad? Can we go with the pen pad? Could go with the pen pad. Um, you know, and I think you know you could have like the Cortex Kitchen. Like you could sponsor different rooms of the house. <laughs> um, I think the overall house should go to the person that's been with you the longest. Okay. Through all your your ups and downs. So the pen pad. You know, the Cortex Kitchen. You know the bonanza bathroom, <laughs> um, things like that. So, what are, what are your thoughts on this? I I have to concur and just just offer my most humble apologies. You know, I, I will bow down to you, Mister Dowdy, uh, and Hiverthorf. The the it shall be known as the Pen Palace when I'm talking to you. I'll take it up with Gray. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, there is a reason that it, the 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 Cortex Cottage name is there. Uh, mm. I think you're just going to have to work out for yourself what that might be. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can I can figure that out without much thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into other uh, British things. Our good friend Tessa Sowery mm-hmm. has opened up her online shop that we talked to her in episode 206 of the Panatic Podcast, yep. and we uh, we pinned her down. She said, "Hey, back in January." 
you know, she mentioned like in her upcoming year, she's like, she wants to open a stationery store and she did it. So we want to send everyone the link to that, right? We most certainly do. I was very excited to see this and I bought something immediately. So you can, uh, you can go to, uh, the-stationer.co.uk So the-stationer.co.uk You can go yes. there and you can peruse the lovely wares that, uh, mm-hmm. that Tessa has curated together, I think is probably a good way to put it. Um, yes. And I found something there that I was immediately excited about, which mm-hmm. was a label maker, <laughs> a really cool label maker that I bought. Um, and it comes with two different wheels, and one of them is like a funky little, like a funky font. Like it's not like the traditional label maker font, you know. So is um, this and this is this is not a digital label maker. I'm assuming it's an analog, like push the button down, stamp yeah, like, the letter into the tape, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. thing, right? Um, and yeah. uh, I bought that, and it arrived, and it was, it came in a regular envelope, right? But I opened it up, and there was like this beautifully wrapped with string like envelope and a little card like a little thank you card tessa tessa's got it down she knows what she's doing like you yeah, know like so, uh you know how when you buy something from cw pencils mm-hmm. it's like this whole thing you know like right y- this is like what what tessa's saying and i mean you can go if you go to the twitter account which is uh at the underscore station underscore um i'll put that in the show notes as well you can see some pictures of some of the stuff um that tessa's been sending out yeah she's she's taking this she's taking this serious Yes. So right now she's just shipping to the UK, but she plans on expanding that as she grows the business. And congratulations, Tessa. Tessa, I'm super, super happy for you. Um, This is an exciting development. I love to see it. Yep. You can see uh, if you want to. uh, I posted a picture of the first thing that I printed on my label maker. I did see that. So little hashtag Mike was right. um, Right on with all your other stickers. Um. Mike Madison, are you a sticker guy? Are you a sticker my stuff guy? Uh, no, but yeah. uh, that's just because I don't have a label maker. I keep meaning to get one, <laughs> and I keep going, "Oh no, this one's cool," but it costs I don't know sixty or hundred bucks. I'm like, I don't know. Do I need to know what's in a thing that? Because I'm gonna <laughs> label everything. I'll label lamps, lamp. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be nuts if I get one. But I'm with you there. Yeah, but uh, that that's tempting. Just to I, you know, I have to. I feel like I have to battle Hurley when he does something like that. I'm like, oh god. Except I get these emails that say, you know, Mike actually was right. I'm like, you guys are killing me. It's true though. I mean, the the, the hashtag exists for real reasons. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I have been and was and will continue to be right about things. It's it's mm, a true I, statement. You know, luckily for you, you are up in like the 95th percentile of rightness, you know. There was something I was wrong about, though, I, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to admit that. Mm-hmm. Last week when we were talking about those SpaceX notebooks, yeah, and I kind of questioned, I called into question the, the potential legality of using the SpaceX posters for those notebooks. Right. Well, it turns out that they were published under a Creative Commons Zero license, which basically means people can do whatever they want with them, including put them on notebooks and sell them. Wow. So I so apologize like, to the back pocket people for that. Yeah, so it's essentially the unlicensed license means you can actually make money off of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Usually it's, okay, you can use my stuff, give me credit, you can't profit off of it, blah, 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 blah. Um, this is the zero license. This means is the like this is free. free reign. Yeah, go crazy. This is public domain. Yeah. So we talked about that, and Ian uh, from Pen Papers Pencils sent me a link. He said it's funny you guys are talking about that. I have a review coming this week, and it just dropped this morning, so I haven't had a chance to read it, but I saw it, 
this morning, so I linked it in the show notes. So y'all can go check that out, see how these notebooks are. I haven't read it yet, though. I am just going to say, though, like, I want to close this thread off without trying to be mean, but, like, these are these notebooks are relatively expensive for artwork the company didn't create. Mm, like, there's £12 the for a three-pack, mm-hmm. which is, that's that's expensive, Right, like mm-hmm. you know, you kind of you're in field notes territory at that mm-hmm. point, right? Like I can buy a three pack of field notes for cheaper because they're twelve bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like I know that this stuff isn't easy to do, but it's like the artwork and the design is surely one of the things that actually cost quite a bit of money, and this doesn't do that. So I don't know, I don't know. There's something weird to me. It's like taking this Creative common stuff and then just I know you can legally do it, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's just something about it which is strange to me. I've got to say, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this this is a, a good question for Mike. What's the uh, what's the philos- what's the correct ethical thing to do here, Mike? <laughs> Look, uh, I am not a lawyer, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it seems that if a if a company or a group puts something out as a free a free license like that, then they want other people to use it. It could probably only be good for SpaceX as long as they're you know using it for notebooks and not using it for I don't know something terrible. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> right, right. SpaceX bullets, or I don't know what they would use it for. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the the price is egregious at all. But um, I'm also, you know, not totally into this. Where I, I think they look cool. It's not something I'd ever purchase, but just because I have so much paper with it, they look pretty cool. And uh, I'll have to read Ian's review, see how they perform. All yeah. right, a um, couple more things. Uh, we've had. <laughs> A wonderful, a wonderful amount of follow-up on this whole shower writing pencil (laughs) situation. (laughs) It's it's unreal. It's the gift that keeps giving. Um, (laughs) Mike, do you do you write in the shower? Do you have a shower writing setup at all? Well, I think this. Oh no! Oh, I did it again. There we go. It's the first one. Mark it down. That's the first time. I will say no. I don't. Now, why don't we actually ask the question to the person that the question was asked of? Uh, yeah, thanks, Hurley. Uh, so, yeah, no, I definitely don't. I don't ever write stuff in the shower. I do occasionally listen. I listen to podcasts and that sort of thing while I'm in the shower and getting ready. And I'll like yeah. yell out responses to podcasts, but uh, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't taken to writing things yet. So, <laughs> so yeah, this is this is definitely uh, an an awesome topic, and we got an um an another email from a product that we had forgotten, and I was like, oh, that's a pretty good pretty good idea but that uh pen show from the penxo um we never got the official pronunciation but that's what i'm going with from kickstarter which is just an aluminum lead holder so you just have the aluminum and the graphite um that could be a good option i'd be worried about dropping that if you drop that um your lead is gone i mean it's just gonna break so but pencil seems to win the day in the shower so you just have to get the uh, aqua notes or right in the rain or expedition edition uh field notes and and find you a good pencil. And uh, Matthias from Bleistift um, also said like some of the really, really cheap mechanical pencils like we mentioned uh, last week, Mike, were a good idea. He said anything under $2 is probably going to be fully plastic, so you don't have to worry about rust or anything getting uh, getting all messed up in there. And last thing last thing before we, we get to our, our guest and, and get into all his inky goodness, um, I want to talk about the new Black Wings real quick. I didn't plan on it this week, but Mike, but you put them in. Um, did you have any thoughts on these? Do you you don't have a subscription to this, right? No, no, I don't. Okay, I looked at these and this seems super boring to me, man. I'm not gonna lie. Like, 
I don't I don't get the appeal of this one at all. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's about right. Um, I do like them better than the 24, which is the all-black edition, surprisingly, um, because they have the same graphite cores that they have the firmer, firm and dark, the new core that they invented for this product lineup. They remind me, when I opened these up, they reminded me of those pencils I got as a kid with all the football teams. Um, mm. You know, they're, they had like the silver and the gold paint jobs and had all the team logos on them and, and things like that. I don't know. It just looked like, I think the pinstripe around the ferrule kind of made it look like a football pencil to me. And that's what I think of. So, I mean, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it is what it is. No big deal. I don't really love it. I don't really hate it. Um, I'll use it. That's what I actually picked before I even saw this in the show notes. This is what I'm using for my show notes today to write with just because I got them yesterday and wanted to try them out because I do like the core. Um, I probably like it better than the 24, which was the first one to use the core. But um, I still uh, I still like some of the other editions better. So there's yeah, this that. one this one doesn't float my boat. I've got to say, like, yep. there's a couple of them where I said to you, like, I was like, oh, that looks interesting. But this one, like, mm. I know it's trying can... to evoke something, but what right. it's evoking doesn't stir up anything in me. Right. Yep. You know? I'm with you. All right, let's take our first break, and then we'll get into to talking to the mic that everybody wants to talk to today uh, which is not this one but first i want to take a moment to thank our friends at foot cardigan for supporting this week's show have you ever wanted to be known as the best gift giver in the world in the holiday season do you want to be the envy of everyone you know do you want to be able to walk down the street and people will stop you and be like whoa where did you get those socks from <laughs> if the answer to any of these is yes then foot cardigan is here to make that happen. Foot Cardigan delivers fun socks every single month to your doorstep. They ensure that your feet never have to be seen out in public again with just those boring plain white socks. And the best part, you don't need to choose what pair you get because every month you'll get a surprise pair of socks in the mail from Foot Cardigan and their subscription plans start at just $9 a month. Foot Cardigan socks are a fantastic holiday gift or a birthday gift or just something for yourself. I treat myself to a Foot Cardigan subscription. I'm wearing some Foot Cardigan socks today that are pink and blue and have a robot on them. Mm, now, nice. you need those. Everybody needs pink and blue robot socks. Yeah, So that's why you need a Foot Cardigan subscription. They have socks for men, women, and kids in a bunch of different styles. Go to footcardigan.com and you'll get 10% off with the coupon code PEN, P-E-N. That is footcardigan.com, promo code PEN at checkout, and you'll get 10% off any subscription to any of their socks. Whether you want to go for the regular socks, the no-show socks, or the luxury socks, you're going to get 10% off. Thank you so much to Foot Cardigan for their support of this show and Relay FM. And the the code definitely works because I I did go get my no show subscription um after yeah, last did. time they sponsored the show so yeah, you did. they they look pretty cool so I'm I'm excited to see what happens here in my mailbox very soon. All right, Mr. Madison, you ready? Yeah, let's roll. <laughs> so I want to talk about so if you're not familiar with Mike Madison, he runs a wonderful blog in the pen community called Ink Dependence. Um, mostly ink reviews. Um, you do mix in some pen reviews and other things from from time to time, but mostly ink. So why don't you tell us about how you got started doing that? You know, what made you start writing about ink and pens and fountain pens and this whole community and everything like that? Yeah, so it's actually my wife's fault. Uh, <laughs> it's it's totally Audrey's fault that this uh, blog happened. So back in 
2011, something like that. Um, I took a job out in Greensboro, North Carolina and at UNC Greensboro, mm-hmm. where I still work. And uh, Audrey was finishing up her PhD in Tennessee. And so we were living apart for about a year and uh, she was bored. And so she started a nail polish blog, uh, which she still does. Um, like she changes her nail polish arm almost every single night and uh, just for blog purposes. And, and I'll, so t- I'll start- go ahead and I'll stop you right there. Her work is awesome. Like <laughs> she, oh, yeah, she can definitely do some really, really cool stuff. I've, I've seen it and I follow her on Instagram and everything. Yeah, she will love to hear you say that. Um, so she's been writing uh, uh, right on the nail for a long time, and then so she said, "You know, you should start a blog." And I said, "I don't, I don't, I don't care. I, what am I going to do a blog about? <laughs> Nobody cares what I have to say about anything." And so, you know, every once in a while, I'd write about a book or I'd write about uh, uh, I don't know a beer or something like that. She's like, "You know, you probably ought to focus on something that you that you like and that changes a lot." I'm like, well, "I like beer and it changes." She says, "No, no, but yeah, that'll become an alcoholic." <laughs> So I uh, uh, she said, you know, you like fountain pens. I'm like, yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, I've only just got back into them or whatever. And so around 2012, apparently like February of 2012, I started like really blogging about pens and ink and stuff. And that's, you know, around when ink samples became a thing that was easily available on the Internet. Um, and so I started blogging about them because I could get them pretty cheaply and easily, um, especially on the kind of like just post-grad student budget <laughs> that I was running yeah. with. So, uh, you know, so that's how it kind of got started uh, several years ago. And I was looking for for names. And uh, actually, my first inclination for starting a blog, it was going to be called Pen Addict. And I was like, oh, let's see if that's taken. <laughs> Son of a, it was totally taken by some Yahoo. Uh, I don't know who it was. Oh, um, that's amazing. You never told me that. <laughs> at, at least I, that's how I remember it happening. Uh, yeah, I can't yeah. tell that's for sure. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And uh, actually, I think Audrey actually came up with the name Ink Dependence because I like mixing words together. I think that's yeah. fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's how, more or less how it got started. And I just haven't stopped. So were you always into pens and ink and things like that for the past several years since your childhood? You know, like you obviously had an in inclination for this before you even started the blog inclination oh nah, god i was about to call him on that there. <laughs> yeah hey don't don't think that wasn't on purpose i got game so uh yeah yeah uh, since i was i mean as far as back as i can remember i've been into you know pens and office supplies and all that kind of jazz i mean i have a uh, I saw Anna did a, a, a short video where she did like a scribble with every pen that she had or something like that. <laughs> I was like, man, I want to do that, but I've got, I've got too many. Pe- I I don't have the time. Maybe maybe during the winter after I've finished all my grading for the semester or whatever, I can get into that. But um, <laughs> while I was browsing uh, uh, Mike's uh, you know videos before this, I saw that standing desk thing, and I'm like, oh, I got to go to IKEA. Well, I've got a couple of <laughs> IKEA Helmers, which is these kind of like tall. I don't know, metal drawer sets. I've got two of them basically full of pens. But um, yeah, no, the original question about how I got into it. Yeah, I've been into it forever. I mean, I remember yeah. using my mom's pens when I was a kid. Like She used to have these, um, I don't know who makes them, but Le Pen, L-E Pen, yeah. I think. Marby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I used, I remember Which using is a Hallmark those. company, by the way. Really? Oh, that's Yeah, neat. I believe so. I think I learned that from Anna. Yeah, I used to steal those out of my mom's purse. And uh, completely ruined the tips, I'm sure, because they're kind of fragile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'd steal my dad's mechanical pencils because he was a, an engineer. And uh, yeah, just kind of forever. And fountain pens, I got into, I don't know, later, like, I don't know, late high school, maybe early college or something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I was too broke. So I had like two fountain pens for, 
I don't know, several years. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. Hard. yeah. So would you would you bring those to class? Like you know, when you're when you're teaching now, do you what do you? Use? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I've had I've definitely had students comment on them. Um, a pen or some <laughs> ink there? Like, do you ever bring that into class? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've always got at least a couple of fountain pens on. Oh, a couple. I've usually got a couple of cases <laughs> of fountain pens on me. At any point. <laughs> I've usually got one in a placket or a pocket of my shirt or something in one of my pocket. And then I've got a ballpoint that I'll hand out to other people. And um, usually a retro 51 just to bring that into the show early. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've had students say things like, you know, your your handwriting looks like it's from the past. I'm like, OK, cool. That sounds good. Um, and my handwriting is not good, y'all. But they, you know, it looks old timey to them. Uh, I actually had a student that I made really angry one time and he said he was just he came to me in class a week or so later and said I was really fuming about that thing that you said and then I, you know, I googled you to get madder and, and, she, and he's like I found your pen blog and I'm like I really like fountain pens too so now we're bros <laughs> oh man that's amazing so, yeah I mean I haven't seen him in a while so maybe we're not that much of a bro but at least you know, <laughs> he got me out of trouble that time Oh, for sure, for sure. So, um, you you focus on the ink because, like you said, you're you're getting the samples and and things like that. So, when you're reviewing, let's talk a little bit about like kind of your review process. When you're yeah. v- reviewing an ink, what are you what are you looking for? You've done so many now. Like I'm sure you have a pretty good, you know, feel and and um, you know, what the ink's going to be like or how it's performing, how it relates to other inks. So, what are you looking for when you're reviewing an ink? Uh, so my my reasoning behind my ink reviewing is that, um, look, ink and such is going to depend so heavily on all the other components of your your writing setup, right? I mean, uh, it's the it's the the three part thing. You got your pen, your ink, and your paper, and so inks are going to depend. Like, their performance will depend more or less on how those things work. Uh, so I know that everybody's mileage is going to vary, but what I can do on a blog is, yeah, I've I've reviewed a ton of inks. I mean, several years worth of inks, four or five years, something like that. Um, and I have hundreds of them, uh, and I know how my pens work. So I can say, you know, this is an ink that's gonna it's gonna be more free flowing, or it's gonna be a drier ink. Uh, I can show how it performs on different kinds of paper. I can sort of talk about it over the long term because some inks will change in your pen a little bit. Some of them condense faster than others and get darker, or that sort of thing. Uh, and so I think I can give people a, at least a pretty good idea of how that ink is gonna work for them when they start using it. And so that's what I try to do. I think of it like a resource. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important that you brought up like the whole pen, ink, and paper thing. We tend to forget that like a lot. Even me, you know, sometimes when I'm like getting fussy at an ink or a pen, I was like, well, maybe I should try a different paper. Maybe it's not the writing for this pen, or maybe this nib can't handle this type of ink. So yeah, I think that's like always important to consider. Like when you're looking for an ink, it's not necessarily an apples to apples comparison when you're, you know, looking at a review or shopping around for different inks. It's going to be how you're going to use it, what pen you're going to use it in, what paper you're going to use it in. And uh, that gets lost in the shuffle, even for those of us who do this like all the time. Yeah, that's why I started using uh, Rhodia as my, mm-hmm. you know, my um, my review medium pretty early on. I uh, I originally started doing it in um, just kind of like printer paper type stuff. I, I found a um, a template on uh, FPN, I think. It was a pretty cool template. A lot of people use it, uh, but printer paper varies so wildly. I mean, hell, sheet to sheet, it can vary. Yeah. Um, and so I figured, you know, I'm going to use a paper that's pretty popular. It's easy to get, and it's not super expensive, and it works well. And so that's why I settled with Rhodia. And not every pen, not every ink works super well on Rhodia, um, but it's at least one that's kind of a common denominator, and people know how it works. I think. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you you've got all these years worth of of ink cataloging essentially. Do you have a few brands that like stand out from the rest or or you know that you really have high expectations for every time you try one out just because they've proven to be like really good performers in the past? Um yeah, I mean I've got a couple. So like there are some that are kind of controversial. <laughs> I know every time I mention Private Reserve or Noodlers, people are like, <gasps> you can like feel the intake of breath. But uh, I mean, they're, they're huge brands that have like these wide catalogs of things. And some of them are great and some of them aren't. And so my early expectations were kind of um, very low, like per ink. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is going to be a great ink because it comes from X company. Um, mm. But since, I mean, there are some, some manufacturers that just make really good ink. Um, and so uh, I always have high expectations for sailor inks. Mm-hmm. I haven't had too many of those let me down. There's a couple I don't really care for, uh, but um, the rest of them are very good. Um, and I really like Franklin Christoph inks. Uh, I haven't, I, I, some of them aren't really my favorite, like they're not quite the right color, but all of them have flown, have flow well for me. All of them seem to work just as they're supposed to. Yeah, I um, have a black ink made by them that I really like, but I don't remember the name of it. Um, it's probably classic black. They've only had a couple of blacks. And, I think the one um, that would... I have, they don't make anymore. Like, they just stopped making it. Um, and I picked up a bottle in Atlanta maybe two years ago. Oh. I don't Because they had mm. one that was called, like, Black Magic Black or something that's like that. That's what I have. And you like it? Oh. I think so. That's... <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's an ink that is... Uh, singular in its ability to bleed through everything from every yeah. nib <laughs> exactly oh. yeah if you didn't say it i was that's the one that like shoots immediately through the back of the page okay yeah. well, i don't think it's that one that i have then yeah, yeah. no it, it, I, that it one, wouldn't be yeah yeah that one got killed like right when they released it because it performed really poorly hmm. but in well, general i i agree with you and in, in most of their inks are they're actually some pretty cool colors and uh perform really well yeah, I mean, the thing about Black Magic is that it's supposed to be uh, quick dry, and it definitely does that. <laughs> uh, but it just didn't work out uh, wh- yes. well enough, I think. So, but uh, so full di- disclosure, since we're going to talk about ethics, my wife my wife works at Franklin Christoph now. This is yes. a, a pretty recent development. So, um, I, <laughs> I, uh oh, uh oh, we're stepping into an ethical black hole already. I can't believe it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. I I totally want to talk about that later in the ethics section. Um, yes. But uh, um, yeah, so she works there. So that's my full disclosure. But nonetheless, yeah. so if, um, if I did all those a... ink reviews well before she started even thinking about working there. So yes. And if you've been uh, to a, a pin show recently, say in the past, what, three, four, six months, maybe since the summertime, uh, you've seen Audrey probably working uh, for Franklin Christoph um, at their table. And she's wonderful. And I always go over there and check on her because they're always so busy. I'm like, hanging in there how are you doing you doing okay she's like oh yeah this will be i haven't sat down <laughs> yeah i maintain the franklin christoph table at any pen show is one of the very best things that you can see like it's just so good it's set out like so superiorly to everybody else yeah you know like how they have the stations like all the testing stations and you kind of go through and effectively build your own pen it's just perfectly designed very very yep. smart. I was going to say you mentioned the Sailor inks, uh, and I had this question in here later later in the list. But since you mentioned them, I want to talk about the new inks because I'm a huge Sailor ink fan. Um, it's probably my favorite ink brand, but I haven't bought any of the new colors yet. And you got samples of all of them, and I just wanted to kind of get your feel. I guess number one overall as a group of inks, how they compare to their last inks, and then kind of what are some of the standouts from that from that lineup? Because I need to go shopping. 
<laughs> man, I have been holding myself back from shopping because I know I'm going to go to more <laughs> pin shows soon. And right. I, you know, I'm like, I, I've got a, I've, I've been cataloging inks and I'm up to like 400 and something counting samples. So I'm, I, I've got inks. I don't need more bottles, Mike. So I, uh, <laughs> I actually had a few in my cart and Audrey said, did you, do you really need bottles of those? I'm like, ah, not now. <laughs> so uh, the new collection I think is overall pretty strong, but it's less utilitarian than the last. And I'm glad mm-hmm. they didn't get rid of any of the old inks because there are some real standouts in that, that older set. I mean, it's not old. It's like a year, year and a half old or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's some real standouts in there. and But a lot of them are like blues or very dark colors, that kind of stuff. And this new one, this new uh, series really brings out the colors. It's got, I mean, oranges and pinks and light blues and greens and reds and purples, right? Right. Um, so of those, probably my least favorite, and I know this is one that Anna really picked out last on the gift episode or something, mm-hmm. uh, the Sakura Mori. Uh, uh, Sakura Mori. And it's just too light a pink for me. It's not my jam, but it mm-hmm. seems like a good ink. Um, and likewise, I think the light blue, the Yuki uh, Akari, I think it's called, is a little bit too light for me as well. But it's a nice bright blue if you're in a light blue. Um, but standouts, man, uh, the Rikyu Cha, which is this like, mm. and it looks like tea, like wet tea leaves or something like that. It's kind of a brownish, greenish ink. I love that one. Um, yeah, see, I that's really a color like- I, I'm trying to get into. Like, I feel like I should enjoy that color. I never buy anything, but that that might be one I have to to branch uh, branch out uh, my color palette on. Yeah, Ricky Chaw's great. Also, Diamine Salamander is kind of in the same vein, but way yeah. darker. Yeah, yeah. and um, the Doyu from uh, the Sailor's last set is also super good. It's like an extra dark brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so that one's a standout, and also um, Irori, the the red. Mm-hmm. super good i've been using that one a lot because it's paper grading time mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> man it is it is like it's just a a pop off the page carmine sort of red with a little bit of gold sheen to it not a ton but like enough that you can see it if you use a broad nib or something like that and uh it's really good and then third on the list i think would have to be chushu which is this kind of like um, it's, it, it looks like a gray mostly, but it's yeah. definitely like a violet gray kind of color. Yeah. So that's number one on my list. That's what yeah. I was telling Anna. Like, that's the one I want to see in person. That's a color I will really dig if, if, if it's what it's looking like on the, um, you know, on the paper and all the samples that I've seen so far. Like, you know, I am, I'm obviously an, an orange guy and have, you know, sailor oranges coming out in my ears before I even buy this new bottle. Um, but having something like that uh, purpley gray kind of uh, that that one I'm gonna put at the top of my list, and and then uh, maybe like the the tea leaf one that sounds yeah. really really cool. Yeah, I I actually wrote my show notes since we're talking about what we wrote our show notes in. I wrote mine in Chushu. So I'm trying mm-hmm. that one out now. It's probably gonna be one of the new, next reviews I do. Cool, and, uh, cool. It's it's very good. It's purple, but it's or it's it's gray, but it's definitely got a little bit of a, a purpley cast to it. Yeah, I have an old Sailor ink. I'll have to, I don't know the name off the top of my head, but buying it, you think it's a gray, but in the pen and on the page, it comes out purple. So I wonder how similar it is to this. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Hmm. So out of, um, out of all your inks, do you have a, do you have a go-to color? Like, like I'm known for blue, blacks and oranges. That's kind of like my range of things. <laughs> and, and Mike's, Mike's pretty much into orange as well. Yep. Uh, Mr. Hurley. Uh, do you have, uh, any particular ones that you, uh, you always go to? Like if you get a new pen, what are you filling it with? I guess is a probably a good way to put it. Well, that's going to be like a twofold answer. Um, <laughs> uh, it's so, never straightforward with ink. 
and or with philosophy professors, right? So <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So my qualified answer is Aurora Black. Um, yeah. And the re- reason it's qualified is if I'm getting a new pen and I want to make sure it works, I'm going to put Aurora Black in it. Uh, totally because, fair. That's that's what I use Pilot Blue Black for. I totally agree with that. So, yeah, 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 that's a good one too. I just it's hard to find, and so I I don't want to use up my bottle mm. um, of the Pilot Blue Black. Just the, the Pilot ink, it's kind of hard to find around here. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Aurora Black will flow in anything. So if it works at all, Aurora Black will work. Okay. Uh, whereas if I put some other inks in there, you know, they may it might be hit or miss. So that's usually what I go f- go through first. But that said, I don't like writing in that. I don't. I don't love Aurora Black. Uh, sure. It's, it's just a little bit uh, bleedy and it's a little bit too wet. Um, so it's not my favorite thing. So um, my go-to, the one I keep putting in pins, I've got a couple. And one of them is uh, Franklin Christoph Emerald 357, uh, which is this like brilliant emerald color. I love it. Uh, it's, at le- it's in at least like two or three pins right now. And the other one is uh, Private Reserve American Blue. And I, I've got that in a pin constantly because I, I love that ink. Okay, cool. I'll have, to, I'll have yeah. to. I need to look at that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on the side of. I don't really use much Private Reserve or Noodlers because I'm worried, but I probably shouldn't be. You know, I clean my pens well enough. I, I have good, uh, good fountain pen hygiene to where I should branch out a little bit more, and not like freak out over every little thing that that goes into my pen. You have you found that to be the case with like a lot of your Private Reserve and Noodlers? Not really an issue as long as you're maintaining your pens well. You know, um, like I, I wouldn't necessarily put it in uh, older pens with, um, you know, what might be a fragile, sure. a more fragile seal or a sack that's subject to, you know, pH differences or something. But uh, I haven't had any problems. And maybe I've just gotten lucky. But I've been using my first ink was Private Reserve. It was Lake Placid Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I've used that for, I don't know, like 20 years or something. I've never had a problem. Right. I, I use a lot of Noodler's inks, especially starting out. It's been a little, I've been getting back into them a little bit recently just to, you know, some some show specific ones and that sort of thing. But I haven't had any problems really. Like some of them are a little oversaturated and so maybe they don't flow perfectly. But I mean, it's nothing a little bit of water won't take out of your pen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't live my life that way. <laughs> on the edge you can't live on the edge Hurley. <laughs> I, I i really just struggle to try and use inks that could damage my pens you know like yeah. I, I really just try my best to avoid that um, i mean it's fair you you have enough options to where you don't have to do that yeah. right and i'm not a big and i don't i don't think i'll ever be like a big ink swapper like i i like to find inks that i like and then i will use that ink in a pen for like four years Right. Oh yeah, gotcha. I can't do that. No, yeah, see, I can't I, do that either. I I like to just find the ones that I like, and then um, and then and every now and then I'll add to it. Like I added like two or three colors to my collection recently, which is like unprecedented. But it was just like <laughs> I basically, you know, as I said, like I bought two inks just because there was one for two, like for two different pens. I mean, because I just wanted to do the pairing. So maybe I'm moving a little bit more towards that, right? Like maybe this might be like when in episode one of the show, Brad said he didn't like fountain pens. You know, this might be one of those <laughs> things that people can point to in a few years time as I maybe move more into inks because I'm buying less pens. So, you know, like inks might be a nice thing for me to start looking more at. Like I was just looking at those sailor inks that you were talking about and kind of lusting after them a little bit. So maybe I'll add one of those. But like I, I just... As it stands right now, I, I, I don't like to to um to change my inks too frequently because I like what I like. But I'm really just not keen on 
keen on put, like taking the risk. You know, especially mm. with my nicer stuff. Maybe with some cheaper pens, I would be more willing to do it. But you know, if you're looking at putting like a, an ink that could damage the inside of my Edison, like I'm, I'm just not interested in doing that. You know? Well, I don't know what's going to damage your Edison. I mean, those are cartridge converter pens. They've got a standard, you know, uh, like stainless steel nib and a like a, a plastic feed or whatever. Like, there's nothing. There's, those inks are not going to hurt it. Uh, you know, uh, be careful with the vintage stuff, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I mean, your average Anything Edisons or whatever. Additional, additional moving parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, perhaps, well, like this but... is the pump filler Menlo, right? Like that is a. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a temperamental yeah, little beast right there. It is. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Like yeah, I've yeah. quite frequently just put an ink into that and pumped it, and ink just spurted out of the pumps. Like, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's happening does today. It, <laughs> does that yeah. use a silicone sack? I actually don't know. I don't it know has. It's. It has a silicone. Like a, there's a sheath and that covers part of the pump system in the back of the pen. I don't yeah. know exactly the material it's made of, but Brian has had some problems with that. Um, uh, with some inks, so yeah, that's a very specific case. Though. Great pen, yeah, yeah, super t- temperamental yeah. because it's a really yeah. weird and amazing filling system. But yeah, yeah but I th- I, that's the reason I don't have an Edison yet because I really want one of those pump filler ones, and I also yeah. don't want to spend that much money right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, totally fair, totally yeah. fair. All right, speaking of spending money, mm-hmm. um, let's uh, let's talk about our good friends at Pen Chalet before I get into a few more ink questions. You know, Pen Chalet, they sell all of the pen-related stuff that you're looking for, including those Sailor inks that we were just talking about. So all of the ones that we were just, just talking about, all of those new colors, I was Googling around to add them to my show notes, and Pen Chalet popped up. So you can go get them there, and you'll be able to get them with our discount, which I'll tell you about in a moment. So you can go there and check out all of the uh, Four Seasons Sailor inks if you want to. But you'll find so many things over at Pen Chalet from all of your favorite brands. Pen Chalet have fast and reliable customer service. They have free shipping on orders of over $50 in the U.S. and great shipping rates for shipping internationally. They do ship worldwide. Pen Chalet has low prices on high-quality pens and offers a 100% satisfaction guarantee. All you need to do is go to penchalet.com, that's P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, and click the podcast link at the top of the website. When you enter the password PENADDICT, you will see this week's special offers, and you'll also get the the code that you need to save 10% off on anything at Pen Chalet. Now, we have some special offers this week, Brad. We have the new Pelican M405 Stressman is on offer for listeners of the show. So I pulled this up while you were talking, and I go, ooh, are we going to be allowed to talk about this? (laughs) I don't think we can talk about price. Okay, because this is a hot, hot pen right now, uh, this time of the year. It's a new release. Um, The Stressamon Stressamon came out earlier. Was it late last year in the 805 model? It is now in the smaller 405 model. And I always wanted one of those 805s, and I could never pull the trigger on them. Um, this is a very very beautiful pen. This I is love a this hot pen. stuff pen. Yeah, and yeah. this is. I mean, this is one of the most. I don't know, not anticipated releases um, this fall and winter, but it's definitely a popular one, especially for all the Pelican fans. Mm-hmm. They love um, this color, this pattern. It's uh, it's a stunner. I was surprised when this one popped up in my screen, to be perfectly honest with you. This is this is like how much Ron cares about our listeners. They've just come in for him, and he's putting them straight up on offer for Penchele, for like for fanatic yeah. listeners. So that's pretty yeah. sweet, right? Also, that uh, yeah, that's, wow. Yeah. yeah. There are new colors of the Noodler's Naponset pens. 
available. These are good to play around with, you know. Yeah, they're very popular. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have really any experience with the Nippon set. Mike, Mike, have you had any uh, experience with the Nippon set, the Noodlish pens? Uh, no, I haven't used one. Well, I take that back. I used one once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't really used them myself. So, and the offer is on the Music Nib versions. Oh, cool. And they are some pretty pretty hot colors in here. I hadn't seen these, so yeah, these must be brand new as well. They are. Also as well, Ron, Ron wanted me to uh, tell our listeners that they're going to be stocking replacement nibs as well uh, soon from Nemesine and Nox. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. In a range of finishes. So you'll be able to get those from Penchalet too. I think he said they're coming in in the next week or two, so they'll be up on the site as well So you want to check back for those. Awesome. So that's it. Go to penchalet.com. Thank you so much to Penchalet for supporting this show. And Relay FM. Yeah, I'm still uh, still wowing a little bit. Hovering over that buy button, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> need that pen. I have. I don't need more than one 405. I have my one 405. That's not one I'll have multiples of, but man, it's a good-looking pen. You know how this works, Dowdy. It's not about what you need. Well, I it, it's totally not. So I did, you know, we talked about on the, um, you know, did we buy anything for Cyber Monday or... Mm-hmm you know black friday and i said no but i looked at the the kaveco ac sport and orange mm-hmm. um and it was out during um during the weekend he sold ron sold out of them he got them back in like tuesday or wednesday so i did order mine so yeah i, I did contribute to the co- the economy <laughs> this, good man <laughs> this uh, holiday season so yeah i i have that i haven't inked it up yet it just came in yesterday so i'll link that up today all right, so what am I going to ink it up with, Mr. Madison? So I want to know two things. I want to know, since I'm the blue-black ink guy, I want to know your favorite blue-black. And since yeah. Mr. Hurley is the orange guy, I want to know your favorite orange ink. So so school us here on on what you're using for, for those inks or what you would recommend. Yeah, you know, you put this thing in the show notes about favorite ink <laughs> colors, and I'm like, how am uh, I going to pick? And then I sat down uh, no. and write out my list, and it was easy. So um, I'm also, I'm a huge blue-black fan, and I'm also mm-hmm. a, a big orange fan. So I'm right there with you. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite blue-black right now is Sailor Gentle Blue-Black. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need to get a bottle of it. I've only got it in cartridges, but I've got it in two of my Sailor pens right now, and it is great. Um, I I really like that one a lot. I'd put it up on yeah. par with the the pilot blue black for sure. You know that is a surprisingly great ink for right. just like a basic stock lineup ink. It's not special. It's not on these annual release cycles. It's their stock. It's right there with black, blue, and blue black. Just like the basic, most basic stock lineup of any ink brand you can have. Sailor blue black. It's it's killer. I'm glad you picked that one because I don't even. Uh, give that enough credit despite probably having it inked up all the time myself so it's a wonderful wonderful ink yeah i've got it in uh i've got it in a pro gear right now and i've got it in a a 1911 large with a music nib i'm just burning through it with that ink with that pen yeah Yeah, it's Uh, got great great shading great sheen just properties you don't normally see and just a really what's considered a basic blue black it's wonderful yeah and the flow is perfect i've got i've got no gripes with that ink it's just like dead on a great ink one of those ones that's gonna work yay like it. Uh, so cool. Um, and then for orange, uh, what are y'all's favorite oranges? Do you have a particular favorite orange? Who you got, Key? Because I've got yeah. one. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in. I'm usually using one of the one of Sailor's oranges, whether it's hmm. the original Ken Mokuse from like 2010, uh, Apricot, or I'm using Bungbox Mandarin, or. Um, Gosh, there's one more. 
um, that Kobe number 25. And they're all pretty much in that same ballpark, bright, yellowy, orange. Yeah, right. um, and then I like Oroshizuku Yuyaki. So like I could name those five off the top of my head that I'm inking up a lot in, in a lot of pens. Uh, then Hurley's into the... Well, it's, it's Fuyugaki or forever. Yeah. Like Fuyugaki is oh, yeah. the yeah, yeah. superior orange. Yeah, Fuyugaki. That's going to be his That's gonna be his next uh, label, Fuyugaki for life, that he's going to print out on uh, his little new little uh, label maker. I might do that. I might do that. <laughs> that can be his next tattoo. I know he wants another one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get it like some real gangsta script. Yeah. Cross your back. Oh, yes. In in the same... They'd have, have to color match, right? Yeah. Oh, well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that oh, be dude, that'd be, I would high five you for that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, my favorite orange is it's going to, it's, it's much, it's darker and brighter than, uh, than Brad's favorites. Um, and my favorite is the Ackerman orange boven. Yeah. Um, I have, I keep not getting a, it's another ink I keep not getting a bottle of, and I am done with my sample and now I'm out. And it's just like in a pen and I'm a little bereft. <laughs> like, like, oh, I can't use that pen because I'll run out of the ink. So I need to get a bottle, and I just haven't done it yet. So but, that's uh, actually one of my more recent ink bottle purchases. I bought it yeah. at one of the last pen shows I went to because that was I was holding off on that one. It's like I don't need this one. I use all these other ones, um, but I just got it's a little bit different than those. Just like you said, it's more of a straight up orange, but yeah. it's got some real pop to it it looks cool on the page I, I i can definitely appreciate that and i i have a bottle of it and i don't ink it up enough so i, I will work on that <laughs> mike you should try that one that you might you might like that one i'll have to give you a sample when you uh yeah you i think up. it behaves better than yuyaki uh yuyaki's a little bit like more um it's a little bit more i don't know it's almost fluorescent right yuyaki's really yeah. bright yeah this looks yeah. really nice actually i think this yeah, looks like a really great color yeah and those uh Ackerman inks just all behave very well too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I put down some other colors in, you know, what am I going to yeah. ask Mike about? And I did red and green because yeah. those are two extremely popular colors that I absolutely never use. Like, if I'm using green, it's probably, I'm either going to use like a bright green, like the Ackerman 28, the Hofquartier Groen, or I'm going to use Mont Blanc Irish green. That's like the extent of my green palette. And red is probably even less than that. So school me on some uh, red and greenings. All right, cool. Yeah, I can totally do that. Um, so let's start with red right quick. Um, so my go-to red is actually, like I don't know. It's Some people are like, oh, that's a boring choice, but whatever. I don't care. It's Schaefer Script Red. Mm. It's just called Red. Uh, and it is, it's a great red. It's a, a true, like, just dead-on red ink. Um doesn't have any problems at all. It flows fine. It performs just fine on uh, like the crappy paper that students use for stuff. Um, it looks nice. I, I have no problems with that. Also, it's dead cheap. So um, definitely don't overlook the Schaefer script red. I have um, heard that from more than one person. Yeah, it's it's a solid, solid ink. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, but recently, since I've gotten the Sailor Aurori, it might take over that top spot. I haven't you know, been using it for long enough to give it top marks, but it's I really like it. When you started describing that, I wrote that down on my pad, like something to look at, because I always get asked about reds, and I'm just not a red expert. Um, I, yeah. I definitely wrote that down as, as one to look at. Yeah, I've got a couple more that are in samples that I haven't gotten a chance to use yet, but they look very cool. Um, so, I mean, other ones to maybe be on your radar, and like I said, take this with a grain of salt, because I've only just gotten them, but um, Papier Plume's Cherry Red looks very nice. Okay. Um, and also Robert Oster's fire engine red looks really cool. Um, but, um, 
yeah, so red, that's a deep color. There's a lot of reds out there. Um, and those are, I think, those are, I think, the bests. The, yeah, and it's very, very popular. Very popular colors, just one I never, just really haven't explored. Yep. Uh, oh, somebody in the chat says Okuyama. Yeah, Okuyama, I think, is a little bit dark to count as a red. Like, it's more of a, it's more of a maroon kind of thing. Mm-hmm. See, that's um, the one I use, and that, that's what I call my red ink. That's the one yeah. I, I do enjoy. Yeah, I've usually got that in a pen, too. I really like that mm-hmm. one. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for green, if you want to, or do you have something else to say about red? Yeah, no, let, let's do green and then, uh, we'll, we'll start moving into, uh, some of these other topics we want to get to. Yeah, cool, man. Um, so, uh, my top green is Franklin Christoph Emerald 357. I know I already said that in this podcast, but yeah, that's, I, I've always got that in a pen. I love it. Uh, but that's a bright green, kind of a, like, it's almost a blue green. It's not quite teal, but it's definitely like a little bit of a bluish, bluish tinge. Okay. Um, so there's that one. Um, what else is that? Well, for darker greens, there are uh, like a lot of darker greens that are really good. Um, Sailor's Tokuwamatsu is one that I really like. Um, it's kind of like a pine sort of green. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, um, oh, here's one you never really hear about, and that's the Anderson Penn's Green Bay, which looks just like um, the, um, oh shoot, it's the Sailor Green that got discontinued, and I can't remember the name of oh. it. Uh, Epinard. Yeah, yeah, that one looks a lot like Epinard's. Um, that one's really good. And then there are a bunch of them that just came through from like I've been looking at Papier plumes and that sort of thing recently because I just got a bunch of samples and uh, you got some really nice greens in there as well. So it just depends on what tone of green you like. That's the thing about like red. There's reds and there's maroons and burgundies and such. But with green, there's such a wide gamut of possible greens. Well, that's why you're never going to run out of things to review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my hope. Yeah. <laughs> I've just started using uh, Robert Oster's Verde de Rio, which is uh-huh. a, it's a more, I don't know, I think of like palm trees. It looks like pa- like a palm green. It's very cool. Cool. Yeah. I like that. And uh, I, I've i tested around some of the Oster inks. I did just order Fire and Ice this morning, so I, I'm anxious to get that. That looks like something that's going to be up my alley. Yeah, I don't have that one yet. I need to get it because I've been hearing a lot of things. Yeah, that's how <laughs> I heard. I just heard people talking about it. Then I looked at it and I was like, ooh, okay, on the list. And I, I did order that, so... All right, so Mike uh, Hurley, let's uh, let's talk about our last sponsor. Then we're going to get into some really, really cool topics here that I want to make sure we have time to discuss. This week's episode is also brought to you by Capto from Global Delight. Now, I want to tell you a little story, Dillison. There's a school in Melbourne, Australia called the Ibarra Valley Grammar School where close to 1,200 students attend. And in order to keep the study cycle smooth, the faculty is regularly trained with the new developments of their learning management system that they use. To make all of this possible, to make this training happen easily, the school uses Capto on all of their Macs. Capto is a powerful screen recording, capturing, and editing applications. The developers of Capto Global Delight are proud to know that their software is helping make this type of thing possible for this school. All of us use our Macs for different purposes. Maybe some of us code, maybe some of us make video or develop websites or create keynotes. And every once in a while, we all come across the need to capture the screen, record it, edit it, and share it. So maybe we can get feedback from somebody or something like that. I do it quite a lot to you know take little screenshots that I can share, and I do this very frequently. Capto helps you capture a full screen or part of the screen or maybe even an entire web page. You can easily edit it, add annotations, numbers, arrows, and so much more. And you can even record yourself in parallel to the screen recording so you can make maybe tutorial videos or how-to in just a few clicks. And all of this comes packaged in an app that's been designed for ease of use. Capto also features iOS recording. 
so helping you record the screen of your iOS devices with ease. So if you want a screen capturing, recording, and editing app that is efficient, powerful, and time-saving, Capto is the app for you. You can go to captoformac.com, that's C-A-P-T-O-F-O-R-M-A-C.com to find out more. Capto usually costs $29.99, but as a special offer for listeners of this show, if you use the coupon code PEN, P-E-N, you will get 30% off. That is captoformac.com and the code PEN to get 30% off. Thank you so much to Capto from Global Delight for sponsoring this week's show and supporting Relay FM. Awesome. So, Mike, we mentioned in the beginning that you're a professor, you teach ethics, you have a philosophy background. So why don't you just kind of explain just, you know, what your background is, what your teaching background is to everyone to get a little bit more specific than than just those those two little titles. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So I um uh, I actually originally got into philosophy because I really enjoyed doing bioethics. I thought it was, you know, one of these super important and emerging fields. Mm-hmm. And uh, so most of my uh, my background started out in bioethics. So applied ethics is the larger field. Um, and it's it's basically figuring out how people ought to act, right? What the, the right thing is to do or how the right person or uh, what kind of person the right person is to be, I guess, which sounds like a, a silly thing to study, I guess. But uh uh, it's uh, it's about thinking, right? It's about critically engaging yeah. with the world. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, and I know, teach we, a lot of business ethics, business ethics, engineering ethics, a lot of that kind of applied stuff. I should throw that oh, in there. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's like that's like perfect topics, honestly, to bring into this discussion on a pen podcast of all things, because you know I run a business in the pen world. You know, I have you know responsibility to you know my readers. I have responsibility to my advertisers. You know. Um, I have responsibility to myself to, you know, run and uh, as ethical a ship as I can. And uh, it's things I think about all the time. So what uh, what do you see in the community? What do you have like any kind of like um, flagpole topics that you think are like important specific to the pin community as far as uh, ethics go? Um, yeah, I mean, so as a. I- I mean, I'm a blogger and a reviewer, so a lot of that stuff is there's a lot of ethical stuff bound up into that, right? Mm-hmm, um, definitely. And when I put that post over on Reddit, there's a lot of response about that kind of issue, right? Uh, but I mean, there's also issues of like, um, you know, what went down with Estherbrook not too long ago, and right. uh, that sort of thing. And then there's you know the mass drop and gray market stuff you were talking about last time, and um, you know those sorts of things. And I think those are all good issues that we ought to think about. So. Yeah. So let's 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 dig deeper in, into two of those things. One, let's look at the reviewer bias topic. So you sent me um, the post you made in Reddit. Um, he, you basically said, "Hey, share with me what your pen related ethics issues are." You know, to the was your post, and you got a bunch of responses. And the one that I chimed in on, the one that I found the most interesting, was on reviewer bias. And um, the the poster says. Um, okay, this is a serious one. Fountain pen reviewers accepting pens from companies for review. I know it's been talked about, but not enough, in my opinion. Um, so they're basically, you know, alluding to the fact a lot of the uh, the Amazon changes that happened a couple months ago with their review program, you know, came up where people are getting, you know, essentially paid reviews and, you know, ended up being untrustworthy and, you know, all the kind of things that get tied up in in that. So what a what is your opinion or what are your thoughts on this type of question, fountain pen reviewers getting products for free? 
Yeah, I think so. I think I also chimed in a little bit on that thread, but I wanted to save it because I was going to use it for this and for some other mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I think I think it's a bit different. So like you and I and the other you know pen and ink reviewers that we could name easily. Um, the thing is, we can name them. You know, there's right. a, there's a face and a name and a, a, like a reputation tied up in that. And we're not some anonymous person. Um, or even anonymous person without a like a, a long history or something that might be you know posting some Amazon shill review or mm. some sort of uh, you know sort of disingenuous thing, right? So people like you and I are not going to stake our entire online reputation on you know a, a frivolously disingenuous review or something right. like that. Like we're just not going to do it. Right. Um, I mean, it, if there are, and I don't, I can't really think of any pen reviewers or ink reviewers who have been, you know, um, like right. smeared with that. I, I just. I can't really think of, like we're all pretty honest folks, you know. Right. Um, so I think really the uh, the thing that it comes down to is um, can a can a reader trust us and our reputation? And I hope the answer is yes, you know. Right. So but, I think uh, the 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 general question that comes up that I don't really have an issue with, and I actually agree with, is if you get a product for free your review is going to be inherently biased. I can't argue against that necessarily, right? I mean, there is there are elements at play, whether you realize them or, or not, that just changes maybe your wording or your thought process. But the way I explained it to the poster, in the end, you know, I have, you know, I've, I can only talk for myself, I've built up a long-term reputation of where, you know, if a pen is bad, I say it's bad. And if a pen is good, it's I say it's good regardless of that source. And then it's up to the reader to believe me in that or not. And hopefully I put forth a good enough argument in not just one review, but all the reviews that I am consistently um, – I'm applying myself consistently to each review. And I'm not going to sugarcoat anything because I got the pen for free or I have an advertising relationship. It just doesn't work that way. But I also can't say that to someone who doesn't know me. They're going to think I'm full of you know what, right? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think so it's, it's, a, it's, well, you know, I mean, the, part of this, right? the history so, plays into it. Yeah, I've got, um, uh, I don't know. So I, I, tell my, I tell people that send me things or that give me things for review that uh, they should not expect that I'm going to give them a positive review. I can, o- I can only tell people the truth about it. Yep. Um, and <laughs> I've had vendors say, you know, I was a little afraid to give you these things because I know that sometimes you don't say the nicest things. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. On the one hand, like that's kind of fair. I, I don't necessarily, I'm not going to say I like a thing if I don't, but on the other hand, uh, <laughs> look, I'm not going to just crush something if it doesn't deserve it. Um, right. Because a lot of it's, as I said before, it's like kind of your mileage may vary type of stuff. I can't, uh, I can't speak for how it's going to work for you. I can show you how it worked for me, and I, I'm not going to. I, I don't. Know, I guess I could fake it, but look, my Photoshop skills are not good enough for that. So if right. if I put a thing on there, it's going to be true. Um, so right. I, I show it. You know, the things that we review are very specific. It's not like we're reviewing a TV where generally people are going to have the same experience, right? Like you can have very different experiences with the exact same items that we're looking at. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and I, so, I mean, there are some things that I think a perspective reviewer or something like that are going to have to, 
to think about before they decide whether they're going to accept uh, advertising on their channel or they're going to accept mm -hmm. products for free, uh, that kind of jazz. So I don't do advertising on my channel for like a bunch of reasons. Um, yeah, but, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, so the the thing about um, accepting review stuff is that uh, like you got to consider your ability to be objective. Mm -hmm. And so as as a person who's been a, a professor for years and years, I'm sort of professionally objective. And so maybe it's a little bit easier for me to, to do that uh, just because, look, I, I grade tons of papers. I, I read a lot of stuff. I, you know, it's and I don't want to connect those to individuals because that 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 brings up like um, inherent bias and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and so I'm kind of professionally objective. But you mm -hmm. got to ask yourself things like, look, um, can I handle criticism for the views that I put up out there and can I stand up to it? You know, is uh, am I doing this in a way that I can back up my my claims? Um can I yeah. be friends with a vendor and still be objective about their stuff or, or a maker and still be objective right. about their stuff? Um, what if like a maker or a vendor sends me a thing and I have to say something bad about it and they don't like me anymore? Like, how am yeah. I going to deal with that? And so if those are, if you're like, oh, look, I, if I say something bad, I'm not going to, it's going to, it's going to be bad for me to say something bad like that. Well, then maybe don't accept free stuff, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It, it comes with the territory. If you, if you can't tell it how it is, then, you know, it's probably not something you should be do, doing because I mean, everyone these days, I mean, the, like the transparency is important. Honesty is important. And it comes across like, you know, people who are, are reading, like can, they can pick it out when you're not being honest and upfront with things. Um, one small thing I wanted to mention kind of in relation to this is I, I will say the one thing that gets on my, my nerves the most is when someone negatively reviews a product and rightfully so, and then people will say, thank you for being honest. For some reason that yeah. rubs me so wrong because, yeah, because yeah. you can be honest when it's good, right? Like right. it's not just because it's bad that you're being honest. Yeah. So someone mentioned that in that Reddit thread, and I've seen that come up in lots of other places before. I'll see a comment, thank you for being honest. Even on my stuff, it's I that really kind of irks me because all of it's honest. Like for me, like I'm speaking from my perspective. Um that that one drives me crazy. Like you're only honest if you kill something. And I that perspective is just, I believe, very, very wrong. We do tend, sort of, as people, to take negative reviews more seriously than positive ones. <laughs> um, it's you know, negative opinion leader sort of stuff. It's like, oh yeah, that guy said a negative thing. That's probably true. Um, whereas we're more suspicious when somebody lauds a product. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I I can totally get why you're upset about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and yeah. there's it's nothing to get upset about. It is what it is. Like, well, I I, I just it's a more of a shrug. It's like, well, all my reviews are honest. I was like, I yeah. wasn't any more honest in this one that was negative than I was in this one that was positive. So that's, a, that's just a really, really weird thing to me. <laughs> Thank you for being on like, Oh, finally you're honest. It's like, what? that doesn't make any sense. That defies <laughs> yeah, logic. Saying you're a liar the rest of the time. <laughs> right. I mean, right. That's also, right. that's also almost certainly not what that person means. Right. right. So, I mean, we should be charitable to people who have commented like, <laughs> that's not what they mean. They mean something like, you know, thanks for always being honest, including now, but the, yeah. you know, Stop being nice, Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. I'm just messing with you. But no, I think that's, yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. So 
You mentioned uh, a minute ago the gray market stuff that we talked about last week. Do you have any opinions on just the in general? You know, it doesn't have to be specific company related. Um, do you have you know where does this fall in the ethics realm uh, within the pen and ink community? Um, what are your thoughts just on that market as a whole? Yeah, so I haven't. Uh, this is not like an, a major area of research for me or anything. So I'm not going to speak with like academic acumen or something of that nature. But um, to me, it really it's going to depend on what kind of gray market we're talking about. You know, right? Um, gray so market some, is a gray area. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I, I liked the thing you said about that in the last podcast. I think that was good. It's true. It's absolutely true. So yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's I think that's true. I, I think it's also true. Uh, we should point out that it's not the case that um, uh, like different cases are different. And so there's no answer, right? We, we can judge these individual cases on their individual merits, I think. And we have to, and we can't just throw up our hands and go, well, that's fine for everybody. Or, you know, what's fine for you is fine for you. And what's fine for me is fine for me. Like, I think that's, that's a big mistake. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, we can judge cases on their merits. And so, um, I mean, so some gray market stuff, you know, I don't really have a problem with, mm-hmm. um, like there, are, uh, you know, you talked about uh, like sort of um, arbitrage by going to, you know, Japanese companies and buying direct. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. while well, we would have to pay more for U.S. vendors because they're getting charged more and there's all like the import duties and all this other stuff. Um, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I would like to 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 support my American vendor friends when I can. And in fact, I right. usually do. I, I haven't gone to the Japanese sites because um, you pay less, but you accept more risk, you know? Uh, yeah. There's risk in shipping. There's risk risk in customs. There's like these wait you know wait times and all this kind of stuff. I get to find people. You have to find shippers. All these like drop shippers and stuff. It's it's just a huge hassle that I'm just frankly not willing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you pay less, but you take more risk. So if you buy local to us, which is you know U.S. stuff, then you're paying more, but you're also taking way less risk because that's a a product that exists and you can get in your hands. Soon, yeah, you know, and I also think you're getting more, which I don't think we explained enough last time. You know, if you're buying locally in the U.S., you're getting a one-on-one relationship. A lot of times, you're getting access to social media. You're getting to pursue content that these companies have created to expand your learning. You know, I don't think we elaborated on uh, that enough when we were talking about you know buying overseas versus buying your uh, with your local, you know, or you know country specific based um pen stores if you want to get super jargony you could call those like value ads like that's a, yeah. an additional value that you get from buying it which you can't necessarily put a dollar figure on but is something right. that exists yeah it's something like peace of mind or you know that kind of value add that sort of accountability also that you get with those uh with you know people that are a person that you can reach out to you know right like, this thing is wrong with my pen can you help me and sometimes they can as opposed to uh you know, I got a thing that I, I ordered from Taiwan directly or, you know, mm. Japan directly. And that person is not accountable to me, perhaps, or I can't right. really get a hold of them or, you know, that sort of thing. And so, I mean, the, the gray market's full of more risk, I think. Um, yeah. But so the problem is when it gets disingenuous. So when the, the actors are um, encouraging people to do things that are bad. So I've heard of vendors saying things like, um, not vendors necessarily, but some gray market vendors going to um, legit vendors and saying, look, we need to sell this product uh, and we'd like to, uh, we can't get it from the vendor. They won't sell it to us this cheap. 
Um, so um, I don't know, say like a, like Pelicans or something like that. Like, look, Pelican right. won't give us this pin at this price. We have to charge this. Uh, but hey, if you just order some and then sell it to us a bit above what you paid for, then you get to profit and we won't tell anybody where we got it from and nobody mm-hmm. has to know. Like, yeah, you know, if you got to make a statement like that, you're doing something disingenuous, right? And yep. you ought not to probably do that. So let's just say my inbox uh, was full um, after <laughs> that discussion, that specific discussion last week, um, saying the exact same things you're you're mentioning now. So, yeah, that's, that's when you kind of tilt your head sideways and go, huh, is that what I want to be involved in? And, you know, and make your purchasing decision that way. So. It's an interesting thing. That's it's. There's no straightforward answer. It's uh, it's it's not easy to parse all the the moving parts sometimes um, in in the gray market, and uh, it's definitely not cut and dry as uh, as we have learned. Yeah, but I mean, there are things you can there are things you can like consider. Like there are some things yes. that are worth considering, right? And so things are worth considering are like, you know, what do I value in this transaction? Do I merely value the dollar? amount that I'm paying for a pen? Mm-hmm. Um, or do I you know, care about the actors involved? Do I, uh, do I value being involved in illicit activities? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, do I value the peace of mind that I would get from uh, having that value add of accountability? Do I, you know, there's all kinds of things that we can, uh, that we should consider, right? And it's not mm-hmm. the case that everybody gets to make their own decision. I mean, you get to make your own decision, of course, but like some of those decisions are better than others. Right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's hit on one last topic, which is uh, kind of near and dear to, to uh, Mr. Hurley and ours heart, seeing that we kind of run businesses around advertising. Mm-hmm. And you are, are very well known, uh, especially on your YouTube videos. Uh, <laughs> your intros go, what do they go? Uh, I hate ads. You hate ads. <laughs> you know, <laughs> is yeah. that how it goes? <laughs> Something so, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let, let's talk about advertising, um, you know, just in a general, I mean, it can go a lot of different ways. We obviously have advertising sponsors for this podcast. Yeah. I obviously accept advertising on the blog. Um, I also am in a different spot than I was a year ago where it was a side gig for me. Now it's a full-time gig. So my thoughts on advertising have been all over the place. And I don't begrudge you know, the opinion of people who don't want to see any of that. And I get emails saying, hey, I can't read your stuff anymore. Um, because of the advertising. I'm like, you know, I'm totally okay with that. So what's your stance and thoughts on, on advertising in general? And how are you, um, you know, how you lay it out on your YouTube channel and things like that? Yeah, so I mean, my situation is admittedly way different from yours, right? I'm not doing this for a living. I'm teaching right. for a living. This is a fun, like fun hobby side gig type of thing that makes a little bit of money sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reason that I don't do advertising is because I, um, uh, if I'm using uh, my blog, which is hosted through Blogger, which is a Google product, right? Mm-hmm. I could use AdSense and I could use that on my YouTube channel, but then I have no control over what people are seeing on my site, right? Um, and I like the the pay structure is very is very murky and weird, and I I don't I don't trust it, and I don't like not I don't I don't like not being in control of what's on my site and being shown to mm-hmm. my viewers, um, and so that's why I won't use that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I would think about like. Um, like, I don't know, maybe placement ads on my, uh, on my blog, like you do, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I mean, that seems fine. Like those are vendors that I, I assume you have vetted in some way and you, right. you know, they're not, they're not bad folks. Like if you know, what's going on there, you're doing it on purpose. Um, whereas yeah, if it I was think- just a, I, like a pop-up, like I don't want to have pop-up ads on my, on my blog from some weird place that I don't have any control over. Ugh, no, right. thanks. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree 100% with that. And the way I look at it is it's I try to be considerate with my advertising, right? I have full control. Yeah. Um, I can say yes, I can say no. Um, I'm doing it because I believe, you know, the listeners or readers will, you know, enjoy is not necessarily the right word, but they will, you know, it's a related topic um, somewhat, you know, you know, there's there's different variances on on that. But um, yeah, I, I think you're completely right. And like, I don't have anything against Google AdSense. But as you said, you need to understand what you're asking of your listeners and readership when you have that, right? It's a different experience than direct advertising relationships like on this podcast, right? You're not getting yeah. uh, random things shown up, even though, you know, the they will try to be fitted to you. You still don't have the full control of that. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, that's right. And also, I mean, here's the other thing. When it comes to placement ads on my on my uh, like inkdependence.com, I don't. Uh, sometimes my posting schedule is a little weird. I mean, sure. when it comes to the end of the or the end of or the very beginning of a semester, I am crushed with school stuff, and so I can't yeah. post two or three times a week. I'm doing right. good to post like once a week. I posted a vlog about this not too long ago. I was like, "Look, sorry, it's been slowing down, y'all." And yeah, so, I saw that one. Like the. For whatever reason, my readership doesn't really dip. And I think that's because my blog is more of a resource than it is like a source of like an entertainment or something like that. Sure. Uh, but like, I don't want to I don't want to promise some advertiser like I'll get this many hits a month. And then I don't yeah. I don't I don't want to I don't want to promise more than I can produce, you know? Yeah. And so I don't do that. So I do Patreon, which has been a great platform, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows people to like directly fund me if they want to. Yeah. So um, like I'm a I'm a I'm a patron of yours i'm a patron of azizas and stevens and and matt armstrong's all on patreon i love that platform has that been a a good thing for you yeah it's been pretty good um i mean like i said it doesn't make a ton of money or anything sure it's but you know it's just the the relationship i guess is more so than the the money right you have fans and you know a lot of people one thing that's great about this community is like people really you know like want to support creators and things like that they've been super supportive of that so i think something like patreon is really really good yeah i mean it's it's always like amazing and a little bit gratifying to me that people are willing to you know pay a couple of bucks a month for a free thing you know right. i don't right. i don't do uh, like membership levels or whatever i because honestly, I don't have time to make extra content. <laughs> sure. Right, <laughs> but, right. Like, I'm like, look, here's the thing. It's never going to be behind a paywall. If you think that this is a good resource for you, if you have benefited from it, if you enjoy it, hey, throw a couple of bucks my way if you want to. If not, cool. I'm going to keep making yeah. stuff. Um, so it lets people just reach out and say, hey, here's a couple of bucks. Thanks for what you do, pal. And I'm like, great. That's amazing. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great, too. Um, so we'll have links to your Patreon, to your YouTube um, of course, to your blog uh, in the show notes. Is there anything else uh, you want to talk about before we wrapped up? I thought I think this was kind of an amazing episode, uh, Mr. Hurley. Uh, do you have anything, uh, Mike? Do you have anything? No, I think this has been great. I will say, like, uh, uh, Patreon is a, is an interesting platform. I think that it does um, it does a lot of stuff really well, and it enables people to kind of have that system in place. I do have one thing that I do not like about Patreon, which is that it shows the amount of money that somebody makes. No. I just don't like that because I, I don't think it's good at any level. Um, I don't think it's good when someone's starting out and I don't think it's good when somebody's very successful um, because at, at the top end, it shows how much money somebody's making, which may discourage somebody from supporting. 
because they're like, oh, that yeah. person already makes a thousand dollars a month. They don't need my money. And then also at the bottom end, it's like, oh, this person doesn't make very much. And I, I think that that having that dollar figure there, um, really kind of, I don't know. I feel like it it, it goes to un- actually undermine some some of what they're trying to achieve. That's just my own personal feelings about Patreon. Yeah, I think that is kind of a, a weird thing. And the other thing is that, well, it's not exactly accurate either because. Um, and it's going to depend. It's going to depend. It's going to depend on you know what sort of fee schedule you have set up. So a lot of people that do uh, per post um, charging, um, their what it says what they make per post or per month is not actually accurate because a lot of people will set a ceiling, right? So if you set mm-hmm. you know uh, you donate a dollar per post, and I do mine by month. I don't want to worry about this post thing, uh, whatever. Just a month. Um, so if you do a per post, you know, say I I uh, I do a dollar per post up to like three dollars a month, but it won't show that on the the, the Patreon site, it'll show, you know, this person makes $700 a post or some weird thing when that's you gotcha. know, maybe not true. Uh, but yeah, I totally get what Mike's saying. I think I took it. You're totally right there, Hurley. And I, I, I've never really thought about that before, but yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, great. I think we'll, um, we'll get a bunch of feedback on this episode and I, I think it was very, very worthwhile conversation um, not just from an awesome ink perspective, but from the ethics perspective, because this comes up a lot now that like this community is growing. I mean, there's no doubt that there's like, you know, you never would have thought that the pen and ink community would have like influential blockers, <laughs> but it's like a thing now. And, you know, there's ethics that go around that and there's ways to act and ways to handle all that. So talking through these things and and having friends like you, Mike, to uh, bounce ideas off of um, is, is certainly helpful. And we really, really appreciate you coming on and, and talking with us today. Yeah, of course. I'll come back anytime you want. Yeah. Absolutely. We will do it. All right. If you want to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 234. Thanks again to our lovely sponsors for this week's show for helping us out. That's Foot Cardigan, Capto, and Pen Chalet. You should support them and it helps support us. If you want to find Brad online, he's over at penaddict.com. And he's uh, at Dowdyism on Twitter, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. He's also at Knock.co and your Pen Addict on Instagram. That Mr. Dowdy, he's all over the place. Uh, if you mm. want to find me, I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And if you would like to find the other Mike, you can go to inkdependence.com. And you're at Mattison on Twitter, right? M-A-T-T-E-S-O-N. Uh, I'm actually, uh, oh, on Twitter, yes. And on, ink, on um, Instagram, I'm at inkdependence. Yeah. You, know, you, should, you guys, you just got to solidify on the one brand, right? Like it's yeah, so I know. And, you know? And my yeah, YouTube's got down. an annoying branding thing too, and I can't change the darn <laughs> URL right now. I'm just like, oh. I will say, though, that I did choose a different thing. I did choose Mike Hurley for my YouTube channel rather than mm-hmm. iMike. That's, that's my, yeah. one, my one thing that's different. All right, thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, goodbye guys. guys.